You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. that verse out of there it says for I will fully fully satisfy the weary soul and I will replenish every languishing and sorrowful person I will fully satisfy fully satisfy and I just felt as we were singing here that those were those that had come in and then felt like my soul's weary. I've been fighting things. I've been going through things. And the promise from the Lord is I will fully satisfy you. And then it goes on. It says, therefore, I it was Jeremiah. It says, therefore, I, Jeremiah, I awoke and I looked, he was in a dream and the Lord was speaking to me. He says, I awoke and I looked and my sleep was sweet in the assurance that it gave to me. And as I was reading that last part, I felt like that there are, there's someone that's not sleeping at night. And I felt like the Lord say that it's night terrors, that the enemy is you sleep disrupting your sleep and then maybe for some you just keep waking up and I just felt to pray over you right now so father I just pray right now in Jesus name I pray over that person who's battling in the nighttime, who's felt alone and afraid and felt that they were by themselves and not knowing what to do. But God, that you see them and you know exactly what's going on, that you would speak a promise for them to hold on to. the attack of the enemy over their life to disrupt peace, to disrupt them in their sleep. And I say in the name of Jesus, you have no more entrance there. But I declare over them peace. The Bible says that they will sleep in peace. And I declare that over them in the name of Jesus and the promise that you speak out of Jeremiah that says, and I awoke. I was refreshed of the assurance that you gave me that even while they sleep and even in the daytime you are restoring their soul fully restoring them in the name of Jesus and that they awake of the assurance that you give them. I thank you for peace. So much peace while they're sleeping at night. So much 
much peace in their room. I thank you for the presence of God, tangible presence of God being felt while they sleep. And over their children in the name of Jesus. I declare the blood of Jesus over that home in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. I declare their peace there in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He restores us. Amen. He's so good. He is. He's so good. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Thank you, praise and worship team. Well, we are continuing on our journey through scripture, continuing on um, the topic that we've been on that I think is so important for the hour that we're living in on community, on unity in the body of Christ. I know I spoke a couple of weeks ago and I spoke on um, unity within the body of Christ that it's not just within the church that we go to, but it's, you know, um, the body of Christ globally and being unified with the other churches in our city. And then last week we talked about Bible studies and small groups and coming together and the importance that we took a whole Sunday to talk about the importance that we feel of small groups of being able to come together because a lot of things get missed in big gatherings, but that's not to say that we don't also love Sunday mornings as well. Amen. Amen. We, we talk about Bible studies because we recognize there's importance in it. And so we really wanted to, to push that we feel it's important that we're not just Sunday morning Christians, but that we're Christians every day of the week. And so now there's still time to sign up for um, Bible study. Well, there's always time. You can always sign up. There's no deadline to Bible study. You can always sign up. But um, if you want to at the back, um, at the Connect Center, or you can call in at the front office and say, hey, I'm interested. For those of you that have signed up, for Bible study. Uh, we are just getting it organized and we will be contacting you shortly. And um, so today, today we have a special uh, guest coming this morning. He's not a guest. He's a part of our body, but I don't think he's ever preached here before. This is his first time preaching. Um, he preaches all over the world and he really believes in the commandment of Jesus to say, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And so he's here and then he's gone and then he's here and then he's gone. And uh, we're so thankful um, for him being a part of this body, for his family being a part of this body. We know that they have deposited much here and we're so thankful for him. So as he comes, we're going to show a video of some of the organizations, some of the things he does to help kind of explain uh, what it is that he does. Um, but we're going to show a video and then he's going to come. Sean Crookshank, you can roll the video. This is a message to everyone who's following Jesus. In 2005, there were 3,158 distinct, and engaged, and people groups left in the world. Why is this and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 
Now hear this, in 2020, new research tells us that there's 140 unreached, unengaged people groups left in the world. It is becoming clearer that the Great Commission of Jesus could very well be fulfilled in our lifetime. What is the Great Commission of Jesus, you may ask? It was his last command to his disciples, his followers, to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything he's shown them to do. Of the 140 unreached, unengaged people groups in the world, there are only 54 groups who have not yet been adopted by a mission agency. We want to see this final 54 groups reached. In the Bible, John the Baptist said that his task was to be a voice crying out in the wilderness and that his voice would prepare the way for the first coming of Jesus. And we believe in these last days, there will be a movement of voices like John the Baptist. Who bring the good news to the ends of the earth and as a result, prepare the way for the second coming of Christ. Are you someone who burns to see the completion of the Great Commission in our lifetime? Will you be a voice in the dark places? In the lost places. Will you be a voice in the wilderness? I'm going to get to that video later. But I just wanted to say to the worship team, thank you. Thank you so much for using the gifts that God has given you uh, to really bring us into the presence of God this morning. And it's been, it's been incredible. So thank you. And thank you, Pastor Megan, for giving me this opportunity. Um, it's always uh, wonderful just to be able to address um, fellow believers, Christians, friends, those who are seeking or searching. And so this morning, I do believe I have a message for you. And I'm very thankful to be here. We have been speaking about community a lot. And so I wasn't here for Pastor Megan's sermon on community. I have no idea what she said. So you can judge this message by that message and see if we're saying the same thing. And if we are, then you can know that God is trying to tell His church something. I believe that with all my heart. I work for an organization called E3. It's very simple. Um, we're on the, I can say, the cutting edge or the forefront of what God is doing in the world to see the church rise up, to see the church understand who she is as the bride, as the body of Christ, and then go out and multiply that understanding, that knowledge, that power, and everything everywhere they go. So we equip, that's the first E, we are a, an equipping organization to evangelize His world, the whole world, and to establish His church. Our goals are simple. We want to see a place of worship, a church in every place on earth that you can reach by foot. Everywhere, in every village, everywhere. And so this video that you just saw is part of that. It's part of that. We believe, as you saw in the video, that, uh, that, that we need a, a rising up of voices 
to both warn people and prepare people for the second coming of Jesus. We need that. And so as the church, as the body of Christ, we are those people. Corporately, we are, and individually, we are. God has given us gifts, and if you are willing to say yes to whatever He asks of you, He will use you in ways that you, you'll be blown away by. So I haven't started yet. That was just, I just wanted to get that off my chest and we could go. We were speaking about community and Aaron uh, was speaking about community last week and something just clicked in my mind. You know, we are a community of believers. And so if you are here this morning and you're just kind of, I don't know if I believe in, you know, and maybe I know there's a Jesus, but I haven't really given my life to him. This message is for you as well. And the message is this, that there is hope. So listen, and everything that I say can be yours in faith. Everything that I say. So I just wanted to tell you that. But this is a message mainly for the community of believers. Um, I was like, what is community? Like, it's just common unity. And what are the things that we have in common that bring us unity? Um, we can probably very easily say the things that, that bring us disunity. But we know as a community of believers that there are things that we have in common. Um, you know, we're not all the same. We don't have personalities in common. We don't have looks in common. We don't have body types in common. We don't have incomes in common. We have lots of things that we don't have in common. So what do we have in common? Vision? Maybe. Maybe we all kind of want to see the same thing happen, but I don't know. I doubt it. It'd be wonderful if that was true. But we do have purpose in common. Our purpose has been given to us by Jesus. And he said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, that's going to be my reference scripture for today. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and he's talking to his disciples, he says, go. Make disciples of all nations, all nations everywhere, Teaching them, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, like washing them, laying their lives down, bringing them back up, and then teaching them to observe or obey everything that I've taught you. That's what Jesus said. And he says, I will be with you if you do this. So we do have purpose in common, for sure. But three things that I want to just share with you today the three things that we should have in common, every one of us, well, is the person and the work of Jesus that obviously goes above everything. But the things that we have in common are our identity, who we are, the I am statements. I am this. Nothing can move me from this. This is who I am. So our identity. The second thing that we have in common is our authority. And the third thing that we have in common is our mission. And so 
I promise in this age of videos and 30-second or 10-second videos that you can just swipe, I promise to hold your attention 100% of the time if you promise to give me 100% of your attention. Is that a deal? Yeah, nervous laughter? Okay. No, totally. I understand it. I was talking with my daughter on the way to our Discovery Bible study this week, and it's a nice little drive. We go out to Lucas and Christine Louise. And um, so I was just asking her, I was like, what do you, you know, because we had Monday was, uh, sorry, Sunday, we were talking about community a lot and how we love that, both on Sunday mornings and on, you know, Tuesdays or Thursdays. And I was saying to her, what, like, what does it mean to be the body of Jesus? She's like, I don't know. She's, she's 11, okay. She's like, gee, she knows I'm expecting an answer, so she doesn't want to get the answer wrong. I said, well, you know, Jesus said we're his body. Do you know that? And she's like, yeah, okay, if you say so. And I said, well, he also said we're his bride. You know, he said as the church, this is who we are. You know, he is the head and we are his body. So if Jesus did some amazing things um, and we are his body, do you think we could do amazing things too? She said, oh, I don't, she said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, I've seen some pretty amazing things. And I really do believe that when Jesus said, we are the body, he is the, you know, the head is Christ. Like Paul writes about this. And the, the head tells the body what to do and the body has to obey. The body can't go, no, I'm not going to do that unless something's been, you know, severely wrong. And so... Um, I was just talking with her about this, and it was wonderful, and, and I'd been thinking about this message that I was going to bring today. And so the three things that we have uh, that brings us unity, do you remember what they are? Identity? Authority? Mission. Oh, my goodness. I can go sit down. We can carry on worshiping again. Um, but our identity, I do believe that some of us, probably many of us, are laboring under a false sense of identity. We are not truly who we tell ourselves we are. I'm going to explain or expand a little bit on that. But a great exchange took place. When Christ died on the cross, he took all of the old broken doesn't work, failure part of me, and he exchanged that for his righteousness, his goodness, his love, his holiness. There was this great exchange that took place. And I want to expand a little bit on that because it, it tells me exactly who I am. And so if they're going to put it on your yeah, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 17 to 21, you probably have heard it a lot over the past year. And I believe that people around the world has heard it a lot. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world, the whole world to himself, 
in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us to the world. I, I added that bit. But we implore you on Christ's behalf, this is Paul saying, be reconciled to God. Now, God made him who had no sin to become sin on our behalf. And why that is so important to me and why that grips my heart so much is because Jesus came for the whole world. He does not delight in the death of the wicked, but wants everyone to come to repentance. John 3.16, I don't even have to quote it. You know it that well. But it is the whole world. Are some going to reject him? Yes. Are some going to not have faith in him? Yes. Are some that sit in church weekly and, you know, whatever, going to even be rejected by Jesus himself on the day of judgment? Sadly and very scarily, yes. And if that frightens you, it should. If that doesn't frighten you, should. But I want to speak about, as I said, our identity. The old has gone. What does that mean? What does it mean that the old is gone? The old what? The old me, the old nature, the old person that harbors anger, the old person that holds on to maybe unwittingly, but anxiety. The old person that struggles with unforgiveness, with resentment, with jealousy. That old person is gone. I want to tell you today that you cannot even begin to understand the richness of the new identity that you have in Christ. And I'm saying that as someone who struggles to understand it. It's so good. And the deeper you dive, the more you look into God, who am I in you? It becomes better and better and better. But there are certain things that you have to know. The old is gone. I was, as I was praying, I was preparing for the sermon. I said, God, what are some of the old things that we need to let go of? And I do believe one of the big things that came up is that some people are holding on to unforgiveness. They're holding on to it because, and it's not because they just want to, but because they, they feel they, they want to see a sense of justice. They want to see justice happen. And they've been hurt or they've been, something has been done to them that's so bad that maybe no one else would understand. And God says to you, we're not, and I'm not skirting around the issue of justice, but I am saying that God himself says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And it takes faith. If you have been hurt by someone, by an institution, by a family member, it takes faith to say, okay, God, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to let justice be yours. 
But I can tell you, as someone who has held on to resentment, who has held on to unforgiveness, who has used it as a force of power in a sense, I can tell you that the, the freedom, freedom, <laughs> that's what happens. When you, when you give it to God, you will get a sense of freedom that'll be like no other. And that goes for everything. That goes for fear. That goes for anxiety. That goes for jealousy. That is gone. There has been a great exchange that has happened. So there's absolutely no reason that you could tell me for you to hold on to that. You can let it go. The old has gone. But you might say, you know, Sean, you respectfully have no idea what my story is and that you would be right. You would be right. That is true. But what if God gave you the power to, to let it go? What if God's divine power, as we read in 2 Peter 1 verse 3 and 4, what if God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he's granted to us his very precious and great promises so that you might become partakers of the divine nature. Wow. Wow having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of evil desire. What are you saying to the church there, Peter? Are you saying that it is actually possible to be free of the stuff that has been holding me captive? Is that what you are saying? Because my life certainly doesn't hold up to that. No. His divine power has granted, has given. You already have this. Everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. That life there, that's not just being alive and existing. That is the word Zoe, which is the best word for life. It means a full life, a life of abundance, a life that is that the, 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 the life that God gave to us that makes us alive and plants alive and, and living things, that's Zoe. That's the word that is using there, life and godliness. But it is through the knowledge of of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. So the more we know who Jesus is, the more we get to know him, the more we spend time with him, the more we listen to him, the more we realize, oh, this, this is really true. This is really mine. You can actually be free from the things that you feel you cannot be free from. Don't take my word for it. Take the word of God for this, written through his servant Peter. And he goes on to say, like you, he says, you're free from these things. You've been given these promises. Everything is yours like you're free for this very reason. He says, make every effort. 
So you can't just be, okay, I'm free. I can sit back, Netflix for the rest of my life. I'm good. No, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with, with good things, virtuous things, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with God, excuse me, godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these things are yours, here's the promise, and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But whoever lacks these things, and this is where the crux comes, because you may say, Sean, you just, you just don't know. I'm sorry, I've, I kind of switched off, Sean, because the things that you are saying are too difficult for me. You don't know my story. My story is much harder than anything you could ever imagine. I believe you, if you're saying that right now. I do believe you. But he says, whoever lacks these qualities, you know, virtue and knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, if you lack these things, this is not me saying this, so he says, this person is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his sins. This is wonderful news. This is not something to be offended by. This is a reminder, oh, I just forgot. Actually, his mercies are new every morning. That thing that I did last week, that way that I treated that person, or that thing that I did, or that hatred I had in my heart for that person who cut me off, or, you know, I'm saying too much. Um, if I've repented, if I've said sorry, that is the old is gone. Behold, the new has come. Oh. God has given his, his body, his bride, the church, something new. He says, you are ministers of reconciliation for the whole world. We don't have time today, but when I do a training, and I was just in uh, Cambodia, this was in Myanmar, I had two days with this one group of people, and I did a study which goes from Genesis to Revelation, and all it asks is, what is the scope of what God is doing? Like, how big is what God is doing? Like, how big is it? And secondly, who does He use? And... Uh, then I just give them the verses and I let them tell me. And when you can see the light start going on, they're like, oh my goodness. This is what I'm going to give you the cheat sheet and you can do it yourself sometime. It's a wonderful study. I can give it to you. It's called, what, like, what is God's heart? And it's simply this. God wants to see the whole world turn to Jesus. He wants to see that. He's not going to force it. He's not going to force you. He's not going to click his fingers and, and make you. But he wants to see that. That's God's heart. And who does he want to use? Well, he, all through the Bible, all these characters we read about, then to Jesus, and then the disciples, and become apostles, and Paul, and the church. And then it, it ends up at, well, he wants to use me. He wants to use you. Every single one of us that are part of the church are ministers of reconciliation. We are the people that have got to say to the other people that don't believe, like, you can be reconciled to God.
Those things that are in your heart that are burning you up, that are making you sad, that are making you just feel awful, that are making you hate others or whatever, those things, you can be free from them if you want to. You can be reconciled with a God of peace, with a God of love. It can happen. That's our identity. And we're also ambassadors. Everywhere we go, people are going to look at us and go, is that what Jesus is like? Whether you want them to or not, you are ambassadors for Christ. The question that only you can answer is, are you a good ambassador or could you do with a little bit of work? I know I can. I could. And I believe me, I do. So we have a new identity. Do you believe me? Yeah? yeah? Okay. Now the next one is, do you know that Jesus gave his body authority? Authority. Do you know what that means? That means certain things have to listen when you speak. Jesus didn't just say this. He gave us examples. He gave examples to his disciples. He showed them what he was doing. He commanded the wind and the waves. They obeyed him. He was like, they were, what is going on? Who is this guy? He healed the sick, healed those with skin diseases. He raised the dead. And he said to his disciples, John 12, about verse 14, you know, greater things than these are you going to do if you believe in me, because I'm going to the Father and I'm going to be speaking on your behalf. We see the authority that Jesus has right from that verse that I read to you, Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, said Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing them. All authority in heaven and on earth, there is no place in existence where the authority of Jesus is not paramount. It doesn't exist. There is no place that you can find or go to where you can escape the authority that Jesus has. But this is the cool thing. He then gave that to his disciples. He gave that authority and he said everything that he was doing, he was showing them that they would have to do likewise. That is who we are as the church. We are disciples, followers in the footsteps of the master. That is who we are. And he has given us authority. His disciples understood that authority. You know, Jesus said, um, yeah, I read that. Paul said in the early church, so we can see it goes from Jesus to the disciples, apostles, uh, then Paul in the early church, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, he said, my preaching and my teaching were not with enticing words and clever arguments. I didn't come to, you know, among you to show you how smart I am. But I came in demonstrations of the Spirit and of power so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in God. Because if we look to one another, I wish we could say we're perfect. And I wish I could say every time, watch me minutely closely under a microscope and you'll see exactly how Jesus is. I wish I could say that. 
but I often mess up, as I'm sure you understand. But I can say, follow me, and you will see someone who's trying to follow Christ. I, I'm trying to show you what Jesus looks like. When he reveals something to me about his love, about his care, about his compassion, about his kindness, about his goodness, I want to demonstrate that. Not just to the church, you guys know. I want to demonstrate that to the world so that they will see that Jesus loves them. Because you already know he does. But there's a world out there that is struggling to believe, and they are searching for something to hold on to. They're searching for an identity. You know this. So I um, just wanted to, I told far too few stories. What is the time? Should I even look? Ah, plenty of time. Um, I think. And Megan said, I can go until one. She's like, you guys are totally cool that. You're going to start cheering at 1230. Like, go more, stay longer. I don't know. Is that true? No? Okay. Maybe not. Um, I come from a tradition, a Christian tradition, where I was told emphatically that the miracles of Jesus were and the, and the demonstrations of power of the Holy Spirit were just so that Scripture could be canonized, that people would believe in Scripture, and from then on we had Scripture. And I, there were very good arguments that showed me that that was true, and I believed it for the longest time. Until uh, a man that's much older than me was on a mission trip in the Philippines, and he asked me some questions that started burning in my heart. And I was quite offended at the questions at first, um, because I knew the answer, okay, and I don't need to think about this. Well, I didn't. And uh, one day, so I didn't believe that uh, we were called to heal. I did not believe it. I, I've seen videos of, you know, healings or whatever, fake stuff, I didn't care. Anyway, one day I was the only white guy with an interpreter that could understand English but could hardly speak English. So I was the only guy that day preaching at a place that was about, I don't know, an hour or two away from our base in the Philippines. And I got there and there was a, a grandmother holding about a four-year-old child, four or, yeah, three or four, I don't even know. And I have this all on video and, and photos that my interpreter took in case that you're like, this sounds a bit of a weird story. It is. I, um, this woman, I said, what's going on? She said, oh, this, this little girl has been very, very sick for five days. Uh, she hasn't eaten, hasn't been able to drink anything. Her dad wanted her to go to the hospital, but we don't have money for the hospital. And so um, we, well, then she said, God gave me a dream last night that someone was going to, a preacher was going to come and he was going to pray for her and she was going to be healed. Oh no. I whispered up to the Lord, Lord, let this woman's faith heal this child, please. And I preached the sermon and they had put this little girl in a hammock at the back and I could just see her little knee sticking out like that. That's it. Four-year-old girl did not move. She was, I don't know if she was conscious or what, but she did not move. Brought her up at the end. And I said, if anyone needs healing, come. And I was, my heart was pounding. I was absolutely terrified. And I prayed a very safe prayer. <laughs> it's all on video. I look so stupid. I'm like, Jesus, you know um, this child. Like, you know the situation. They don't have my... I'm telling Jesus as if he doesn't know. And, um, and like, please heal this child. And uh, thankfully, 
the little girl's eyes opened up like, and I was like, oh, something's happened. But the grandmother just afterwards went, thank you, and, and went and sat down, and I was pr praying for some other people. And um, I felt in my spirit this voice. It was almost audible. It's like, do you call that prayer? Go and tell her to be well. And I was like, oh, okay. So I said, um, excuse me, can I just pray for her one more time? And she said, yes, of course. And I said, little girl, in the name of Jesus, be well and may your appetite return. Those were the words that I said because we were about to have lunch. I went and sat down next to the pastor and his wife and not even 30 seconds later or a minute, these two little hands come over the, the, the table and steal a piece of my chicken and my watermelon. So I, no, I didn't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I said to the pastor, I was like, is, is that that little girl? And he's like, yeah, of course, come on, let's eat. Like, she's healed. Yeah, I mean, come on. And for me, my mind is being blown right now because I'm slowly on this course of God changing me. And I've come a long way since then. I used to pray for no one, no one got healed. And now I pray for a lot of people to get healed. And many get healed. And it's not because I'm anything special. It's because I know my identity in Christ. And I know the authority that he's given to me. And I say to each one of you, you can exercise the authority that God has given to you. Jesus gave you this authority. Okay, healing. There's a story of demonic possession in Pakistan that uh, I, don't, I don't think we have time to tell that story, but needless to say, um, that little girl was delivered. She was under the most incredible attack, and it, she was delivered. I have not seen dead people raised. I have prayed for dead people to be raised from the dead. I have not seen it. But when we were just uh, in Thailand, there was a guy, a pastor from Laos, the most, most unassuming small little man. He has personally seen seven people raised from the dead that he's prayed for. Like, and I know our Western minds are going, ah, Sean, oh, I don't think so. You know, he must have been mistake. He lives in Laos. What do they know in Laos? They know what a dead person is. <laughs> and they believe the authority and they believe when Jesus said in Matthew 10 to his disciples, go heal the sick, cleanse those with skin disease, raise the dead, cast out demons. They're like, okay, we will do that. That's happening. So we have authority as the church. But the last thing that we have in common is our mission. You may look at the church in North America and say, hmm, the church seems to be shrinking. I look at the culture. I look at what's going on around. Uh, the, church, the church is shrinking, Sean. Like, yeah, we're on the losing side yet. Nope. And I'm going to prove it to you. Since 2000, the population growth of the world has been about 1% per year. You can look this up. It's all true. The growth of the church worldwide has been at 2%. So, it is not shrinking, it's just shifting, and I'm going to explain that. But even more curious is that the evangelical and the sort of Pentecostal tribes of the church, they've been growing at a rate of 4%. So 400 times or 400% the growth of the world population. The church is not shrinking, but it is shifting. It is shifting south of the equator for 
thousand plus years, those of us in north of the equator, that's where Christianity has been known. It's shifting south of the equator now. There are more people being born again than there are being born. It's an exciting time to be alive. They are meeting in homes around the world, in churches, in temples, in places where they are coming together and saying, yep, we're the body of believers, where we belong to Jesus, we follow him. They also, the difference is they have an understanding of the mission. They have a deep understanding in the mission that God has given them to make disciples of all nations. The church is growing at an incredible rate, and they are taking the message of God seriously. So what is needed to navigate the shift if it is indeed happening? And it is. You can check it out. Well, what's needed is a group of people, a community, or a family, or even if it's just one person that right now, this morning, says in their heart, okay, Jesus, I believe it. I don't know. I'm scared. I don't know everything. I don't know the consequences of what saying yes is going to mean. But if these things are true, if we actually have a new identity, if we can operate in authority, if we have a mission from you and a purpose from you, God, I'm going to say yes to you this morning. That's what is needed. These people's faith is public. It's not private. We can't have a private faith anymore. Forget that. It's not, it's not a private faith. We are people that the world needs to look at us, all of us, and go, I either want that or I want to kill that. Honestly. They hate it so much because it shows them the vileness in them, or they see and recognize the vileness in them, and they say, I need, I need what that, ha I need that. I need it. Friends, you are something new. You, every morning you wake up, you have grace and you have mercy. Don't let the accuser tell you that those things that are right now in your heart going, nope, that's, that can't go, that can't leave. That's not true. Don't, that's a lie. And I try and move away from lies. So the question that I have for you as the church this morning is, are you willing? Are you willing to say, Jesus, whatever it is? And maybe you're here and you've never said yes. Like you know who Jesus is, but you've never laid it down. You've never, we had this wonderful Discovery Bible study on Tuesday, and we were doing the rich young ruler. And Jeremy actually dropped this bomb right at the end. He was like, you know what? The only two things that we know about this rich young ruler, I don't know if you know about it. Um, he's the guy that came to Jesus, and he was like a very righteous man. He said, Jesus, like a teacher, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, there's no one good but God alone. He says, you know, do these things, follow the Ten Commandments. He says, oh, I've done that since a kid. He goes, okay, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, 
and you will have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. The two things that were this guy's only identity, the only things that we know about him, he was rich and he was a ruler. Jesus said, I want you to drop those two things and follow me and you will have treasures in heaven. And so the question is, what are the two things that make up your identity that you're holding on to that Jesus may be saying to you this morning? If you lay that down and follow me, you will have treasures in heaven. Father, we glorify you, we honor you, we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for your word that guides us, teaches us. We thank you for Holy Spirit for what you are doing around the world. We thank you for what you are doing here at Embassy and in, at Alliance and at churches around this city. We thank you that people are rising up. God, I cannot speak for everyone, but I speak for those whose heart has been touched, and I say, I want to, I want to follow you. Show me, show me what I need to lay down. Show me what I need to give up to follow you so that the world will know that you are indeed the way of salvation for everyone who believes. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.